This podcast is recorded on stolen and unceded Aboriginal land. We acknowledge the First Nations and elders of this country and we join their calls for justice. Mm-mm. Mm, what's your favourite candy of choice, Emerald? <laughs> uh, I like a Boost Bar. How about you? Uh, Do you like any colourful candies? <laughs> yeah, Skittles. Skittles. Is yeah. Skittles owned by Mars? I assume so. Isn't everything are they, owned are by they Mars? All? They're like, they all are. yeah. I know this story is like a little bit old and uh, this is like a banked episode and we'll explain that in a sec, but it's important for us to discuss the M&M controversy. You're not across all the ins and outs of these spokes candies? You need to explain to me because as I said to you just earlier, all I know is there was the sexy green Mm M&M and then she went away and became non-binary maybe um, (laughs) and then now there's no M&M people anymore. (laughs) Is that what happened? Sorry, knowing the story, it's like you're implying that Maya Rudolph isn't a person. But yes, the oh, M&M's have that? swapped spokes candies for Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph is on SNL, very funny lady. She's oh. in um, Bridesmaids and, yeah, funny lady. Okay. After the public meltdown over its redesigned female characters. The once beloved M&M's spokes candies are apparently the latest layoff victims. M&M's, the popular <laughs> candy that's part of the privately held Mars portfolio, announced via Twitter on Monday that it was putting the spokes candies on an indefinite pause and making Maya Rudolph the veteran comedian actress its new spokesperson. I hate how Americans call it candy, by the way. I don't think of this as candy. It's chocolate to me. Candy annoys you more than the term spokes candies? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> That's just clever. <laughs> so they, they made the changes and then they brought out an all-female M&M and then people lost their fucking minds. Tucker Carlson talked about this on his show. Because that, because the the sexy Eminem lady went from high heels to sneakers. Yes, and he's I like, that. she's not hot at all. Like she she doesn't give me a boner. I'm not Anymore. attracted in any way to the Eminem. Yeah. Yes, yes, make it very clear that he absolutely was sexually mm. attracted yeah. to the great Eminem in high heels. Fucking love yeah. that. Then when they released the all female version of Spokes Candies, self described oh, alpha male. This. Yeah. Nick Adams, who is Australian by birth, American by choice. Oh, he, you've got to check out his Twitter account. He's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's incredible. Many people suggest that he is a comedy character, but apparently he is real. He has an incredible Australian accent, and he made a video saying, M&Ms have announced they're going Australia, all female. New Zealand. It's, it's whatever the fuck it is. It's okay, like right. insane. He said it's egregious sexism of the worst and most conceivable kind. It is outrageous, it is disgusting, and it must not stand. It's, it's the worst possible how version is, of, how of sexism. How is your Australian accent the worst I've ever heard? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do this, motherfucker. Okay. Play the video. Okay. Any male that buys a packet of M&Ms from today forward must hand in their man card because they are a soft, woke, beta, Male feminist. There you go. That's what he sounds like. So he called for a complete boycott of all things Mars. Then Eminem said, look, America, let's talk. In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would notice. What? Oh, and we definitely didn't oh, think. <laughs> we only sent out one million media releases and, like, planted all these culture war stories and, like, I just can't believe anyone noticed us. <sighs> and we definitely didn't think it would break the internet, but now we get it. Even a candy's shoes can be polarising. Which was the last thing M&M's wanted since we're all about bringing people together. The last thing they wanted. That's so sweet. This corporation cares about me. 
Therefore, we've decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies in a place we're proud to introduce a spokesperson America can agree on, the beloved Maya Rudolph. Conservatives hate Maya Rudolph as well, by the way. She's a black lady oh, who okay. supports left-wing candidates. We are confident Ms. Rudolph will, be, will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels they belong. Aw. Well, that's nice. And so that was the end of it? The end. Oh, so he wasn't annoyed about that. So they Okay, so now they're like, no talking M&Ms. That's good. No spokes candies. Uh, it's just Maya Rudolph saying that. And then and then she's going to be a lead up to a Super Bowl commercial. Now, our producer, Michael the Griff Riffin, thinks that the whole thing, man, is a fucking ploy to try mm. and sell more M&Ms and then maybe we're doing M&Ms bidding by talking about this yeah. on our hugely popular podcast. We did get and- paid to do this segment, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> and we're hot, right? Like I'd like mm. the green M&M with, with shit shoes. People have boners <laughs> for us and therefore we'll be – uh, attracted to candy because we're talking about it. Yeah, I mean, but obviously it is all marketing. Rest assured, the characters are our official long-term spokes candies, Mars Wrigley said in a statement to the New York Times. The mascots are taking a break for the time being, but the M&M Super Bowl ad will resolve the situation and bring back the spokes candies, a representative for the company said. Like, it's so blatant. Is anyone really like this isn't all just a stunt and like they're riding the wave of because everyone knows that the the number one dream, it's no longer television coverage or whatever else in marketing now. It's just going viral on the internet and they did that. Right. And they want more and more and more. But it's the classic thing where you can, again, hate everybody here. Of course, Eminem <laughs> yeah. doesn't give a care about feminism, but if you're proposing a boycott of Mars because they have it's an all-female spokes candy lineup and you think that's sexist <laughs> against men, you're a fucking idiot as well. Absolutely. You are a bona fide idiot. <laughs> Everyone is so stupid. Eminems aren't very good. I do not like Eminems. I will say that. Whoa, whoa. I don't know about that. Because I don't like the, the outside bit. It's just like hard. The it'll, woman you suck promoting it. it? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> You suck on it and it like cuts into the roof of your mouth. I don't like coloured lollies really. Wow. I just don't like. Wow, okay. you don't like All lollies right. of colour. Okay, no, it was. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. It's all greens all the time. And sadly, it's working. Swamped by Greens Media. Frankly, I've always found the Greens to be a real serious danger to Australia. <laughs> serious danger to Australia. Serious Danger, <laughs> a podcast about sexy green politics in Australia. Yes. Not an official Greens Party podcast, not the official podcast of the Green M&M. Well, now that the Green M&M is available, we should get her to help like, promote should. the party. Yeah. Ooh. Look, this show is made possible with the help of the Green Institute and produced by Michael the Griff Griffin. We are coming to you from the past where we've time-travelled from the past until where you are now. So I hope that nothing big has happened. We pre-recorded this episode because Tom is taking a couple of weeks break, so he's not actually here, but his voice, his disembodied past voice is going to be here to talk animal justice. Hooray! I love animals and I love justice. Together at last. Yeah. Look, we don't, because we're coming to you from the past, we don't know who has recently become a patron, but if you have, we love you very much. If you haven't, Please consider it so that we don't have to accept these sponsorships that Mars and BHP and everyone keep trying to throw at us so that we can reject those and remain independent and keep the show going, pay our producer, Mike. Uh, It's three bucks a month. Think about it. Just think about it. What was the goal we set? A million patrons by the end of the year? A million patrons. Yeah. 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 We're going to become bigger than Maya 
Tell me about Animal Justice. Okay, so this was an idea that uh, was raised by Emma on Instagram, messaged probably some time ago. Emma reached out about doing an episode on the Greens and Animal Justice and our policies and uh, how we kind of incorporate Animal Justice into our policies and specifically they were looking at like hunting or recreational shooting and, and hunting and protecting native flora and fauna versus animal welfare stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a fair bit of juicy stuff to get into here. My my question first off, though, is like what do you think is the public perception of the Greens' animal welfare policies? Uh, yeah, I think first and foremost it would probably be in regards to horse racing and greyhound racing. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most visible um, issues that we've talked about a lot. Yeah, I don't think we often. We're obviously, of course, painted as as tofu eating hippies or whatever, yeah. but we often don't talk about vegan and vegetarianism or, yeah. um, you know, the uh, the meat industry necessarily. That's not sort of at the first and foremost of our politics of late. But I would say, just generally, a lot of that politics does seem to have dropped off a little bit in in recent times. I guess yeah. is how the major issues have have dominated. Yeah, I heard once. Have you ever heard this one? Someone was like, "Fuck the Greens. They don't want anyone to have a pet. You're not allowed to have a pet." Under Green's policies, because that's like subjugating animals below humans or something. And I was like, oh, absolutely not. That's not a thing. I'm sure people think that the Greens agree with Peter on everything. I'm sure there's, there's some people who think that. I assume Peter don't like pets. I'd, I'd have to research that too. But it's in the name. I pet. She's been up. Yeah, I like what interests me is, yeah, as you say, it's certainly not something that we talk about a whole lot and I would say less and less as time goes on and we focus more on materialist politics and yet that old, old-fashioned old view of the Greens I think would, that would be one of the top things they would think about I reckon is like if you're thinking about the cliché Greens policies apart from, I don't know, loving trees it's like tree hugging and you're not allowed and, to, and you hamburgers. have to be vegan yeah and steaks. also you have to be vegan except eat bugs as well <laughs> <laughs> according to malcolm roberts <laughs> i think also playing into this is that you know most animal welfare legislation is dealt with at the state level broadly speaking so i mean in new south wales when greyhound racing was massive mm. someone like marine Faruqi was extremely vocal about that stuff and is very passionate about it and it's very sad that her beloved Cosmo passed away. And, yes, Greyhound, the Greyhound raising shit show that happened in New South Wales a few years ago when the Liberal government, you know, the Four Corners yeah, story, yeah. Liberal government said. They were like, well, this is really bad, guys. We should stop. And then they're like, oh, you don't like it when we stop. You're doing, oh, we get money, money from oh. you guys. Okay, don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, do you think there are people who – join the Greens or like a part of the Greens in large part because of our animal welfare policies? Yeah, sure. Yeah? Yeah, sure. Sure. I I think the vast majority of Greens people I've met are uh, massive animal lovers, that's for sure. Mm. And and I'm having talked to a bunch of delightfully eccentric weirdos who are part of this party. I'm sure that there are lots of people who, yes, that is their number one issue. So you say you think about Greens animal welfare policies and you like greyhounds. That's obviously one I, like I want to, yeah, at, at the outset, run through what our actual key kind of animal policies are. Yes. Benning 
greyhound racing is obviously a big one. Well, we, yeah, we, we want to end commercial horse racing as well and mm-hmm. end greyhound racing. Non-commercial horse racing is fine. Well, presumably because that's what, yeah, it does say it says end commercial horse racing and it says end greyhound racing. So okay. you can race horses just for fun <laughs> but not greyhounds. Okay. It's, I don't know. There's, I'm sure that this was subject to like hours of consensus decision-making discussions among animal yes. lovers. Who knows? We don't want animal research and like using animals for education. That's cruel, inhumane, or unnecessary. So in okay. some um, circumstances and animal testing, even where like, we don't like it if it threatens, if it's unnecessarily cruel or if it threatens extinction, but it sounds like in certain circumstances could be allowed. We okay. do want to end live export. That is clear. Sorry. That must, yeah. Again, that was another, another big That's one. A now big that you one mentioned it. That That's on. like, yeah. yeah. In terms of things that we've campaigned on actively. Yeah. Like horse racing, greyhounds, Ben live exports. Would yeah. Probably be big ones. Um, Which again was another hit the headlines because again, another horrific, yeah. terrifying, horrifying like four, four corners, corners report. Thing. Everyone yeah. says this is awful and terrible. Then, of course, anyone tries to do anything and everyone loses their fucking mind. I know. Yes. Well, there's obviously a ma- has massive industry influence, like pushing back on any of these reforms. Yeah. Similarly, the – well, and, and just like lobbies, well-funded lobbies. One that I would say among certain groups is emblematic of the Greens and why I fucking hate them – is that we would ban <laughs> in our federal policy it says ban recreational shooting of all animals. And that's the one that it's like absolute very disproportionate coverage of this policy relative to how the emphasis the, that the Greens place on it. I think it's definitely one used by like, you know, in rural and regional areas to campaign against the Greens, even if it's not something that we like focus on a whole lot. Okay. Don't you think? Do you think it's a bad policy or just the way that we approach it or talk about it? I want to get into it. I want to okay. talk about this one in particular more. But it's certainly, I think, didn't someone hit up, hit us up in some format saying, oh, I like the Greens, but every, I live in a regional area. Everyone hates the Greens because they just associate with the party that, that wants to take away your, your guns or your yeah, chance to Yeah, um, I think we shooting. also got, yeah, we got a message about that as well. So it's actually a couple of people that have re- reached out about this, which is interesting, right? Because it's just not something yeah. that we would really think about living in a city. Yeah. Other greens Which is the correct policies. way to live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is where civilization is, yeah. Typical greens. Um, <laughs> no importing animals for zoos unless it's good for conservation. No animals in circuses and shit, which I don't know if anyone still does that, but they surely yeah, should have been doing that. We've won that one, that. guys. Yeah. Um, one thing we haven't won is getting rid of, rid of shark nets and drum lines and um, overhauling our shark management or shark control program, particularly in New South Wales and Queensland. That's a thing. Yep. That's obviously anti-shark culls too, I assume. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's yep. basically replacing them with non-lethal methods, saying that mm-hmm. shark nets and drum lines, even when they say it's like a non-lethal program, it often ends up being lethal and it also fucks over a whole bunch of other marine life, not just sharks. Mm-hmm. We allow pets. You're allowed a pet, but we want people to be educated on how to be responsible pet owners, which is very green, so very sweet. Um, <laughs> we want free-range farming practices, so an end to inhumane and intensive farming practices in meat, dairy, and egg with a just transition for workers. Nice. And this is what, yeah, I actually was like not totally sure on our policy on um, animal agriculture in particular. It's more, it's very much more like reformist than abolitionist. We want more monitoring and stronger enforcement of welfare laws. And like, we even want to incentivize farmers, you know, maybe we would um, give rebates to farmers who reduce methane emissions, for example, mm-hmm. which is another thing that I want to get into in relation to, yeah, 
the Greens and animal shit is like the argument around climate change and meat consumption and 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 farming for me. I don't know if you've ever, this is like a classic thing that I have noticed where our lovely Greens, usually MPs or candidates or whatever, host a, a sweet little barbecue and they will always have like vegan sausages and meat sausages available for whoever wants what. Mm-hmm. And have you ever seen what happens when you post a photo of a sweet, sweet greens barbecue on the internet? <laughs> I assume everyone responds proportionally and with, with their right, their head <laughs> screwed up. Like, looks nice. <laughs> well done. <laughs> cool. <There's>, <laughs> generally, like someone will find it and be like, you fucking hypocrite, is that meat? Brilliant. How can you call yourself a green when you're serving yep. meat? It's the yep. biggest contributor to climate change. You are a big, bad hypocrite. What do you think about that? I love it. I think it's you great. Love it? Well, you, you eat meat, don't you? I do eat meat. Yes, I was bad vegetarian for quite a while. Boo. I am bad, bad needle. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll get that critique from the left, but you'll also, of course, get a bad faith version of it on, oh, yeah. say, Mel- Melbourne Cup Day. Oh, you hate the Melbourne Cup. Uh, enjoy your burger, you dumb cunt. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, because they're the same: eating food and <laughs> and and betting on a creature being raised for your own entertainment. Slightly, yeah. slightly different, I would argue. Mm. But I have no moral defence for meat eating. Uh, but it is what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should I, I mean, I should disclose um, my status as a vegetarian. How do you identify? Okay, right. Yeah, I'm vegetarian. I've been that for a long time and just never really ate meat growing up. Mum just like didn't really cook meat, not a thing. And my sister was vegetarian and so even more, it like ate even less meat. And a lot of my friends are vegetarian. I mean, this was, I was curious, this is maybe a, a tangent, but did you know that being vegan or vegetarian is like a thing in hardcore and, and straight edge. That's- yeah, I think I did know that. Yes, I've known some um, some vegan punks. Some vegan punks. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, yeah, being vegan is like punk thing and specific lo- specifically as well in hardcore. People who are straight edge are often vegan or vegetarian as well and there's like a vegan straight edge thing. So, yeah, a lot of my friends. I always remember the uh, Madden brothers from Good Charlotte. I don't know they're not were they real vegan? punk or hardcore, but they were vegan and then did an ad for KFC. What? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, are we, yes, talking of like in terms of sellouts, you probably (laughs) couldn't find better examples. But yeah, my reasons for being vegetarian have definitely changed over the years. Mm -hmm. Or, well, yeah, like I I, I think that when I, that's not true, actually. That's my, I feel like my reasons for being straight have changed over the years. But I went vegetarian not out of an animal rights or like animal welfare kind of from that perspective it was an environmental decision for me which I feel like is much more common now but it wasn't so common back then and I don't think I really understood I was like into climate change this is when I was I guess yeah 13 or 14 maybe 13 and was like interested in climate change but maybe didn't quite understand why Hmm. animal agriculture was a significant contributor do you do you have an, an idea of like how bigger contributor animal agriculture is to greenhouse gases and climate change? That's not Um, in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) If I had to guess, I'd say it's the third largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions in Australia after energy and transport. Mm. Wow, you are so clever, Tom. That's amazing. You just knew that off the top of your head. Yeah, you're Um, It is. It it comes third. It's because so energy is about half greenhouse gas emissions. 
I don't quite understand the distinction between like burning energy for electricity and then there's like stationary energy, like mining, but you put them together and it's about half. Mm -hmm. Transport is like 17% and then at about 13% is agriculture. Woohoo. So <laughs> it's, it is significant, but it really, really pales in comparison to energy. Like there is a reason that energy is the number one sector that we're trying to transition to clean sources and, and away from fossil fuels when we're talking about climate action. But you wouldn't know it from uh, the way that like a lot of very staunch animal justice folks will put it. In fact, yeah, you you might have seen like people will claim that actually relatively in terms of the relative contribution of animal agriculture to climate change based on the fact that it emits more methane, which is more harmful, then yeah, agriculture is the worst. It's it's the number one. Ooh. Not true. Uh, that's they're like well, but that doesn't include the land clearing that's required for agriculture. It doesn't include the fact that it's methane. There is a really good Climate Council article on this, which I want to link in the show notes that goes very deep into the kind of the science of it. But the top arguments or like the top reasons that that is quite misleading are first of all, methane, even though it's a more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, it's like it burns fast and quickly. Like it, it, it has a significant impact, but then it will dissipate. Doesn't stay as long in in the atmosphere as carbon dioxide does. It's only over mm-hmm. like about a decade that it'll it'll have a significant an effect. And the other reason is that the way that that those greenhouse gases are produced by agriculture is more like cycling greenhouse gases through the atmosphere, through the system. Whereas when you dig up and burn fossil fuels, you are introducing new greenhouse gases that would have other like new carbon that had been removed from the system so it is gotcha. kind of yeah it, it's less defensible it's more damaging cows burping is the circle of life cows burping yeah that's um <laughs> it is it is quite funny that we are literally talking about cows burping when we talk <laughs> about the agricultural sector producing methane and that contributing and we to used to think it was fighting right but that's not right it is actually i think burps. it's burping that- yeah, yeah no okay. it's, it is more burping. <laughs> it's a lot funnier if it's fighting but go on. yeah <laughs> it's true that land clear like significant amount of land clearing happens for agriculture and that has an impact on um emissions because yeah you don't you have less carbon drawdown from when you mm. clear forest but this climate council article explains that even accounting for land clearing, the consumption of coal, oil, and gas produces well over three times more greenhouse gas per year than agriculture. And it's also worth noting, like, yes, it's you, you, it's kind of oversimplified when it's like, well, methane's worse than carbon dioxide, but the fossil fuel sector, the energy sector also produces a lot of methane. It's not just carbon. So I, I think that there, there is an argument that obviously – you should consider the impact of agriculture and trying to move towards more sustainable and less, yeah, like reducing the emissions of the agricultural sector. Whether that's something that should be the number one focus of the Greens as a party that cares about climate change, I don't think so. Uh, in terms of if you're worried about climate change, then the agriculture industry is not your your main villain necessarily. Yeah. Or we, we've yeah. got other big fish to fry, so to speak. Fish to fry, so true. Mm. Did you know... Though. So Larissa Waters, I, f- I feel like we're doing lots of Larissa Waters coverage uh, lately, but she, so she's a, a vegetarian, been vegetarian for a long time. And her office, I don't know how many other offices might do this, but won't fund, won't pay for meat. So like 
for example, for the Invasion Day barbecue, that for some time we only had Larissa's office elected and then progressively we got more and more Queensland Greens MPs to contribute to that barbecue. But, yeah, she wouldn't pay for the meat. She would pay for veggie sausages out of her mm-hmm. office budget. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah, that's good. Look, You think again, it's, like it's consistent but- with her values? Well, I've got nothing but love and respect for vegetarians and, and vegans. I, you know, throughout stand-up comedy, it's always been uh, vegans have been a classic punching bag in recent years. And, of course, mm. I don't have any G. To me, I think vegans are fucking awesome. They're people who are committed to things politically and they're living their their values through through their choice, making a choice which I think is very hard. As mm. I say, I have no moral defense for my <laughs> uh, eating of meat. I know it's really bad. I just, I don't know what to tell you. It's just something yeah. that I'm doing. I yeah. suppose my my structural versus individual action analysis comes into it. And I guess mm. after being a vegetarian for quite a while, mainly for animal rights reasons, I read Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Foer, ah. uh, which is a great book and definitely worth checking out and yeah. sort of horrifying. And I'm sure people might have seen a documentary or whatever that, that yeah. you know made them go fucking hell. Uh, after doing that for a long time, I guess it didn't feel... And being quite a bad vegetarian, often getting drunk and eating meat in a oh. uh, in a fit of um, uh, being hungover. Uh, after a while, it just didn't feel. It felt like denying myself and introducing another headache and making my yep. life harder for not a lot of uh, results. That's all. Yeah, mm. but that's yeah, not a very strong argument. <laughs> no, but it's it it is like for people who generally would argue very much for structural change rather than individual action. Um, mm. Vegetarianism is by nature like it's a very individual decision especially if you ignore that, which I think is absolute bullshit, this cliche kind of trope about vegans and vegetarians preaching to everyone around them and right. trying to force everyone to be vegan and vegetarian. I don't think I've ever personally met someone, like I might have seen a few on the internet as we're talking about, but like most vegan or vegetarian people that I know probably won't tell you unless you ask, unless they yes. need to. It's just really, yeah, it's like not true. But then I'm like, well, the Rissa's office, for example, it's like, well, this is actually using the the power, the resources that she's given as an elected representative to to choose where that money goes towards. And so that's kind of how your money should be used, right? But then it is, there's something, <laughs> there is something very like white, middle-class, urban about being vegetarian and kind of imposing vegetarianism on others. And in particular, the example of if you are if, if if you are using your office budget to support like a cultural event and meat is important to that culture or meat is eaten in that culture, who are you to be like, well, no, I'm not going to pay for that because I don't believe in it. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, okay, if you want to be culturally I- inclusive and stuff. I mean, mm. I don't know. I mean, people of different cultural backgrounds can also respect other people's decisions to uh, to not do that. They can deal with that. That's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think making a big deal about it either way um, yeah. is, is not going to get you very far, right? And it is—it it feels like a an often petty battle. Now, I'll be, I'll be honest, like when I was a vegetarian, when I was young in my teenage years, being a vegetarian, I was quite preachy about it and like, right. you know, sometimes asking family members, how can you eat that and haven't you seen these documentaries, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. very on brand for you. Classic ballad. Yeah. And then, yes, look, just gave up. And I was, I just, I was just looking for something here. I did do an article I was interviewed and uh, it's one of those ones where you have lunch with a journalist and they talk about what you're eating and I had bacon oh. and I just explained that I wasn't a vegetarian anymore and someone did tweet me saying, Tom Ballard is not a vegetarian anymore because bacon's pretty great. 
would be better for animals if these celeb people didn't promote themselves as vegans or vegetarians in the first place if they don't give a shit about the animals. Aww. Well, Which is probably fair. Is, I mean, <laughs> maybe, but and certainly my view has changed in recent years about like, well, you're either vegetarian or you're not, you're vegan or you're not. And I know a lot of vegetarians who or like people who've been would have said that they're vegetarian for a long time and now mm. occasionally eat meat but we'll try and like they'll eat kangaroo, for example, rather than beef, things like that. Like usually greenies I think are increasingly eating meat when they see that it's like A, culturally appropriate or Mm. B, not going to have a significant um, environmental impact or that it's been quote-unquote ethically sourced. But the question there are certainly people who would say there is absolutely no ethical way to, no justifiable way to kill and eat an animal or to exploit an animal for for animal products purely because you're a human and you can. Yes. And, you, and you know, like it kind of, it, it gets into that that notion of speciesism, speciesism that yep. Peter Singer, um, utilitarian philosopher, has talked about and wrote the book Animal Liberation, which I think spurred a lot of, yeah, a lot of like the vegan movement in the, what was that, the 70s or the 80s? Yeah. Yeah. The idea that, well, animals are sentient beings as much as as humans are or at least well, Peter Singer is more more like that there are differentiations in in kind of the way that animals might feel or process pain in the animal kingdom, but why do we separate humans and other animals necessarily? Yes. Yeah, totally. We are animals, um, man. Yeah. But, I mean, and it's getting really interesting now with technology. Like we're getting closer to a world in which you could, I mean, we could have lab-grown meat. You could have meat that's completely mm. created in a lab in which no animal has to die at all but tastes exactly the same. Meat substitutes now are pretty fucking amazing. Things like yep. Impossible Burgers are delicious. Um, and so so that choice is, yeah, that choice is becoming more and more available. I remember in that Jonathan Safran Fowler book, he's like, well, you know, in 20 years it's not like half of America will be um, uh, vegetarian but half of all the meals that are eaten could well be meat-free. Um, so yeah. we actually changed, you know, diets in a, in a, in a substantial way. Yeah. And, and yeah, no, there, again, there is no moral justification for the brutal system of factory farming. For example, everybody well, knows yeah. it's cooked and fucking horrific and it churns everyone's stomach. But if you could ignore it enough or, uh, if people don't talk about it enough, then you can just get by and not have to think about it too much. Yeah. I mean, that I think is one of the differentiations between like what the, probably the Greens party position and, and a lot of the people that. I would know position on eating meat is that there is a way to like that it is acceptable for meat to be farmed, you know, on on a small scale as it has been done for fucking centuries or, you know, Mm. hunted and and eaten for thousands and thousands of years, but that the massive, massive scaling up of that factory farming and, and, you know, large scale agriculture is not sustainable, not justifiable, not ethical. Like lab-grown meat thing is really interesting. I've actually, I'm reading this book called Sex, Robots and Vegan Meat at the moment by Jenny oh, Clayman. Yeah. It's it's very interesting and it kind of, it, it has four chapters. It goes through, um, you know, future of sex. It's about, you know, technology, new technology impacting sex. Then it talks about food, mostly looking at vegan meat. Then it talks about birth, so kind of ectogenesis and mm. death and, you know, um, assisted suicide and, and that sort of thing. So it's the the chapter on, on vegan meat is very interesting because, like, as with each of these kind of chapters and the whole throughout the whole book, it's like, yes, this stuff 
is very close in that it'll probably suddenly just like be part of life or sooner than we might think, but also further away than we, we might think because we have all these like Silicon Valley nerds and grifters mm. trying to garner investment in their company by saying we are so close and hosting these like massive PR events where they will get the lab-grown burger and they'll invite celebrities and journalists to come along and yep. eat the burger or the chicken nugget. When in reality, like, first of all, that one bit of meat took, you know, fuck $500,000 to produce. Right. 60 gallons of water or whatever. Well, yeah, <laughs> really, like, absolutely not environmentally sustainable, like, still produce massive emissions, certain, probably worse if we were going to scale that up right now than just um, la- large-scale animal agriculture. And even on the welfare side of things, still uses fetal bovine serum. Like, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the solution that they grow the cells in is animal product like extracted from a you know fetus cut out of a fucking animal like it's certainly not ethical mm. if you care about animal suffering or using animal products or causing death to to grow um or to produce meat right now and and a lot of these companies say oh we're so close or we've developed like a plant solution that we can grow these things in but they haven't really they're actually <laughs> no one can do it yet um, and they're all claiming that they are so that they can continue getting lots and lots of money from people with too much money and just, you know, they, they have to hype it up more and more. So, and even if they can, there's the argument that it's like, well, should we really be just trying to replace like for like? It's kind of that, that argument when we're looking at energy, like, are we just going to continue consuming energy the same as we always have done and replace fossil fuels with renewables? Or do we look at why do we consume so much energy? Why do we consume it in the way we do? Why do we need to eat meat? Like, it's kind of bad for us. And yeah, not to depress anyone. I do think it's kind no, of- No, again, I it's all eat, just like such, such good points and very interesting. But of course, the classic response is- the left want to ban hamburgers, you know, and that's a very, <laughs> it's a great argument, so yeah. to speak, or a great way to terrify people and to, to trash your political opponents. As always, if you're fighting for the status quo, people think of the things they like and, uh, and you'll do okay. I know, yeah, which is why I, like I said, I don't think that this is or should be a priority <laughs> in, in the Greens kind of platform or what we're campaigning on. But they're interesting questions. Another interesting question is that conflict between, yeah, uh, shooting, like recreational shooting, recreational hunting and animal welfare and and also but like particularly when it comes to controlling pests and and, uh, the argument from a lot of recreational shooters or those lobbies is that this is the most effective way that we have to protect native flora and fauna, which you want to do, don't you, Greens? Like you care about that. Don't you want to protect flora and fauna from the pests? Yes. And so why don't you let us shoot them then, you fucking buzzkills? <laughs> um, the message that we got from from Emma was saying this. She, she was like, not all animal life is equal when it disrupts ecosystem balance. Hmm. Do you, what do you think of that? Okay, so does rec- re- recreational hunting include the hunting of pests? Yes. Okay, yes. all right. Well, I guess that's a term thing. So, so mm. like foxes, I guess farmers shoot foxes like to protect pigs, their livestock. Deer. Okay, all right. Yeah. What do I do? You right. know, what that classic tweet, what do I do when 30 to 40 feral pigs run through my yard? <laughs> <laughs> And I need to shoot them. I haven't thought about that guy in ages. (laughs) That's a good tweet. 
Um, gosh. Okay. Well, yes, I think the, but surely there's a difference between invasive species management as is written here, or the idea of mm. seriously controlling pests populations in a way to protect our natural environment and people having a grand old time. It's like, you know, I don't know the cane toad thing, like as if, as if whacking cane toads was a serious population management system and not just people <laughs> sort of going wild or smashing up yeah. cane toads, like in a serious, like as if that made any kind of serious impact on cane toad populations. Yes. It seems a bit cruel. That's what I mean. I think that to be blunt, it's probably, it's bullshit. Like it's an excuse <laughs> from the hunting lobby. Like, and maybe there are people who genuinely, it's a way of justifying something that you enjoy doing, I would say. Right. <laughs> it's like, this is something that I do for fun. And I feel like I'm also contributing to invasive species management by doing this. So why on earth would you want to stop me? Yes. And, and again, surely it's it's much more about say a farmer protecting livestock, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the capital that they have, the, the property that mm-hmm. they own, which are these living creatures. Um, so we kill, kill the fox or kill the things that are eating the other stuff yeah. that I own, which I make money from. That's, that's surely right. the major motivation. Yes, quite possibly. Yeah. I don't know, like culling and, and culling is like, again, I'm not, I'm not uh, against culling in all circumstances forever. Right. Like I think mm. the, the Brumby situation in the Kosciuszko yeah. park, for example, again, introduced species goes feral, fucks up the local environment. Something yeah. needs to be done to effectively manage that environment, and maybe a, a color is part of the answer there. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's certainly, I think, where we would differ from from some people who would say, "Well, you cannot like it's not that animal's fault that they yeah. were introduced; they're a sentient being. You shouldn't just fucking kill them. Um, right. Find another way to deal with it." Whereas, yeah, I would probably agree that if there is no viable alternative, then and there's a hum- humane way to like euthanize the animal, then probably should. The Greens, so the Greens actual policy says that we want to end recreational hunting. Actually, this was from the Victorian Greens plan. And I want to get, it is a little bit confusing because the Australian Greens policy says ban all shooting of, uh-huh. of animals. Whereas Victoria, Victorian Greens, most recent election we're talking about banning hunting on public land and or no in their policy platform ban hunting on public land and no shooting native water birds except where it might be relevant for a first nations cultural practice in the election they said they wanted to end recreational hunting as a key way to deal with invasive species management they say they want something that's more effective and humane they want a government authority to manage invasive species in a humane and evidence-based or like a science-based way and they want more money for research into humane and effective invasive species management and this is interesting because it's like it's not even necessarily about attacking recreational shooting it's about saying that that is not an effective way to manage invasive species stop pretending that it is mm. We need to actually invest in humane and effective ways to deal with that. Whereas shooters are like, you are just coming for my hobby. Uh-huh. The There's a very good article in the sporting shooter that I came across <laughs> on this plan. Oh, I remember this. I read this. I read this every week. This is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll remember this one. Ellen Sandell, Victorian Greens MP, shared the Greens Stop Invasive Plan this week. The plan, and I use the word plan very loosely, looks more like something a primary student has put together rather than a political party. The green apostrophe S greens <laughs> are looking to remove or dramatically reduce the only successful control Mate, mechanism. Do me a favor. Take that little <laughs> that little scope. 
put it over that extra apostrophe, <laughs> that apostrophe? and shoot yeah. it in the face. <laughs> um, the only successful control mechanism currently in place, recreational hunting. Victorian residents were quick to pick all the holes in the plan that has no planning. The quote-unquote plan looks to spend $240 million to produce a plan to control deer by methods yet to be determined that are non-lethal and humane. Like all mm-hmm. green policy, this one has more holes than Swiss cheese. Fuck Hunters yes. killed more than 100,000 deer in Victoria in 2017. Jesus. In most cases, the meat gets utilised and the local communities benefit economically. It, I, I, I want to know how many deer need to be killed in <laughs> so Victoria because that sounds like a lot. And if we're saying that it's not effective, what, what we say, what the Greens say in response to that is, no, they're not effective at controlling invasive species. And actually a lot of the time they'll deliberately, hunters will deliberately spread them into new areas to create new populations to shoot. Oh, God. So, yeah, yeah that's right. not exactly effective invasive species <laughs> management. Right. Hunters killed more than 100,000 deer. We bred 200,000. Yeah, yeah, we, I know. We, I think that might be what's happening. <laughs> like, one out, two in kind of vibe. Jesus. Yeah, there's also safety risks when you're doing it in national parks where people are trying to walk around. And there's, there's the concerns about whether these... Uh, recreational hunters are adequately equipped to kill these animals in a in a humane way. Right. If this was about species management, you it should be operated by the state. That should be someone's that's, job. You yes, should have rangers that should look after this and might be able to do it more sensitively than a guy who who doesn't know what an apostrophe is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the argument. I think it's like honestly, I don't really know whether we do need to or should ban recreational hunting altogether. But I think arguing that. You have to let us because that's the only way that you're going to control the invasive species is like silly. You're silly. Silly. Fuck, remember that guy years ago who like poisoned 60 wedgetail eagles? Do you remember that insane story? Okay, this is a bit of a tangent and probably not relevant, but I just I just was reminded it happened in Victoria, and yeah, he viewed the wedge tail eagles as uh, as um, fucking pests, laid out poison, and sixty of them died or something like that. I think no, he got jail time I in the end, but it was just eagles. oh man, it was people were like, this Sucks. is this guy's scum. People were not happy at all. Yeah. I step out my door and I take a deep breath, turn back inside and pray for my death, because everyone is worried except. Save the animals, though. Ooh. Theoretically, allegedly, As some kind of party dedicated to animal justice. The Animal Justice Party. Oh yeah, you familiar with these guys? I've heard of them. I met a few of their uh, flyers and uh, their, their volunteers. Always when we lovely on the volunteers. Boots. Always yes. lovely people. But yes, look, uh, particularly in recent years with preference deals, which I'm sure you're going to get into, you do wonder why do you exist? Why yeah. do you just join us? Uh, yeah. What's what's the point, mate? Yeah. I went on a, like, not a deep dive, but, like, had a look around the AJP website, looked at their policies and stuff. Interestingly, they have, so under their policies page, and there are just way too many to read through, that's what that's my first critique, but because they've got what they call policies, which are more kind of like what we would call initiatives, which are the things that they say they will actively campaign on. And that's right. only, it's only animal justice, like, it's all animals all the time, nothing uh-huh. else, uh, which, yeah, it's a single issue party, sure. They say they also have position statements relating to other issues, but it's like 
just a lot of them will be like one sentence on a page kind of responding to big issues. Interestingly, they, yeah, they, they align with the Greens on a lot of those like, you know, uh, abortion or um, raising the age of criminal responsibility. And so are they just in um, Victoria or are they a national party or? No, they- they're, well, I know they're at least in SA, Victoria, Queensland. Right. Um, so I assume probably most states and territories. I didn't actually yep. look at it. Cool. It, it, it's funny because it's like, well, what is the difference between you and the Greens? Why would you campaign for or be part of the Animal Justice Party as opposed to the Greens? And maybe it's because you think that the Greens or whatever party you want should be prioritising animal welfare policies, animal justice policies ahead of other things, I yep. guess. And I reckon, yeah, like in terms of their social policies, I think a lot of them would reflect what though that older generational people who maybe aren't as informed about the Greens policies think that the Greens policies are. So right. it's like they would think that we want to ban fire, that they want to ban fireworks, for example, <laughs> um, which is something that people will occasionally contact us and be like, we got to ban fireworks. And it's like, please, everyone already thinks we're so anti-fun. <laughs> like, not this. But do they want to ban fireworks on an animal welfare uh, uh, I didn't even read the page, platform? actually. Okay, right. Just no fireworks for anyone. Too much Who fun. Knows? Too pretty. Well, there's normally, there's like an environmental <laughs> argument against because obviously they. Uh, okay. Yep. Like, right. but I mean, yeah. They do want to phase out factory farming as an interim goal. And long term, they believe that we should transition to totally plant based agriculture. So that is okay. a big difference. Like, they actually yep. think, no, we shouldn't be farming animals at all. Mm-hmm. They have four pillars as well. Oh, that's nice. Just like us. Their four pillars are kindness, <laughs> equality. Oh. Rationality and nonviolence. So they okay. they've got one of ours in there. They stole. It's not very kind to steal someone's not pillow. Very kind. I know. I it's. I'm not sure if it's one that like I would say that they copied our platform. Like I think other. I've certainly seen other political parties. I look at or like independents, and you look at their page, and it's like, did you just like duplicate and edit? Uh, it's not quite like that. Like it is like someone just said, I care about animals and I'm going to kind of fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. But I agree that I think this party at this point functions as little more than like a preference harvesting system for labor. Well, we should say, I, I don't know if they've been, if they've been elected in any other state other in than Victoria. New South Wales, I think. Oh, they've got in there. Okay. Right. Yeah. So in Victoria and the upper house, yeah, they've been around for a while. Um, and, and, you know, Greens on that, that upper house crossbench, I think have worked relatively productively with the Animal Justice Party. But, yes, very few actual MPs, but they certainly have gotten to hot water when it comes to where they direct their preferences. Yeah, because so, okay, one of the reasons that our friend Emma from Instagram had messaged yes. us was that the S- the South Australian government had said it was going to ban bow hunting. I looked into this and they were like, yeah, we're going to ban bow hunting. The hunting lobby kicked up a stink and were like, you guys are the fucking worst. The SA government was like, well, this was an election commitment. What do you want Mm. from me? The lobby was like, that's funny because I can't find any evidence of you making this commitment before the election, so what's the go with that? And then the SA government was like, oh, true, when we say it was an election commitment, actually what we mean is... In February, before the election, an unpublished commitment was given to the Animal Justice Party regarding a ban on bow hunting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. And did that? Did it happen? 
I actually don't know. So this was in October last year that all this was was kind of uh, going on and in the media and the fact that nothing else came up since, I would say they probably haven't acted on it yet. It was probably that maybe this was like they, they said they were going to move towards it or someone just discovered this and started questioning them about it. But I don't know that there's been any progress on it since. Right. Oh, Which, my God. Okay. And, and mm-hmm. so they have the, uh, that was a deal made to, what, preference AJP above the Greens? Yeah. Yeah, okay, it looks like it. So, and and this is a very familiar template. I'm sure there are lots of other examples, but for the Animal Justice Party in Queensland during the federal election, we almost didn't win Brisbane and, in fact, thought that we weren't going to win because mm. of the AJP's decision to recommend preferences to Labor ahead of the Greens. And, like, we put the AJP above Labor because we think their policies are better because that's how our fucking preference system works. Amazing. But, yeah, they said people should put Labor above the Greens. Thankfully, most AJP voters were like, oh, no thanks, and no just thanks. put us above Labor um, <laughs> because probably, yeah, our policies align more with them than with Labor. But I remember when this happened, like the AJP got, we, we found out the AJP were putting Labor ahead of the Greens and were like, why the fuck? And then suddenly they're like, Big, massive win, everyone. We have secured a commitment from Labor to ban live sheep export. And we were like, that's so good, except for the fact that that has been something that Labor already announced in 2018. Yeah, God. And there's absolutely no difference between the quote-unquote commitment that they made then and the quote-unquote commitment that they've made now as it like at, <laughs> comes to to light that there's still absolutely no timeline. It's obviously not a priority for the Labor Party in government to ban live sheep export. Not to mention the fact that that's also a Greens policy. <laughs> like, that's us. We want that. Yeah, we want right. to ban animal like live exports, not even just for sheep. Same What's, bullshit in Victoria, which is particularly yeah. egregious because the Victorian Labor government, you know, like all Labor governments, uh, but the Victorian Labor government especially, completely in hock with the gambling industry and loves, celebrates, sucks off horse racing every fucking year and every possible op- opportunity that you have. We're, you know, we're the party that says uh, horse racing is terrible and bad. AJP is still preferencing Labor above Greens in pretty key seats. And did they say that they got anything from Labor for that? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. They did do this thing. I don't know if you remember the AJP pulled this. Um, oh yeah, this prank on Glen Drury, the preference yeah. whisperer, to try and draw attention to the shitty preference deals system, the um, and said they were going to do a deal and then pulled out the last minute. And then yeah, I don't know how effective that was or what have you, but. I guess at least they're also recognising that Victoria's uphouse voting system is cooked and maybe yeah. want to do something about it, but, yeah, still naked. Yeah, and at the time I think I was like, sure, that's all well and good, but, like, your part- the only thing I've seen your party do recently is shitty preference deals to benefit the Labor <laughs> Party, who are, like, manifestly bad for most things, um, let alone animals. So, I and yeah, like, I don't know too much about the kind of internal whatever, the- the whispers and the networks and shit, but it does seem very likely that I would say not like like most <laughs> like most organizations like this, not the membership, not the volunteers of AJP, but perhaps the people who are making these decisions at the top of that organization are working very closely with Labor and very much influenced by Labor head honchos. 
um, when it comes to those decisions. And again, I think that that's pretty fucked up when you're sending like people who care about these things out onto the booths to Mm. hand people, like to hand out a piece of paper telling people to vote in a way that directly contradicts their values. Yeah. And look, I don't know enough about the structure of the AGP. I assume there's, Mm. yeah, it's not big enough to have branches, what kind of democratic processes they have within them in which the, the membership you know, actively decides the way preferences flow, et cetera, et cetera. So you still got uh, that problem as well. Mm. Again, attracting the votes of people who I understand say, well, animal welfare doesn't get talked about nearly as much as it should. And even as in our discussion saying Greens have these policies, it'd be fair to say we don't talk about them Mm. um, nearly enough. So people saying, yeah, I love animals. It's important to me. Therefore, these guys seem pretty cool. I vote for them. You know, there's enough. There's enough. There's a big enough section of the population in which that becomes a electoral force, which means you can get some MPs elected and then keep getting electoral funding year after year. But yeah, what are they actually doing with it? You know. Yeah, and it's similar to well, well, I mean, the legalized cannabis party is even more problematic, particularly in terms of who they're choosing to be part of their party. What did they elect? Fucking like alleged sexual assaulter Jeremy Buckingham to be recently the chair or something. He's got no board. But it's like these single-issue parties that, first of all, why I think legalising cannabis and animal justice are very important. They are not, sorry, as important as like fixing healthcare, housing, education and the climate. And the Greens have already got those policies as well as those bigger picture ones. So like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really agree with their theory of change, but also obviously- I'm a, I'm a green, so yeah. I am extremely biased. Um, <laughs> but there's a reason that I'm a Greens member and not a legalised cannabis or AJP member. In a world full of cancel culture, greenwashing and the climate scaries, we can sometimes be too scared to ask the controversial sustainability questions in fear of being called out. But what if we could normalise not knowing? If you want to do your bit <laughs> to save the animals... Um, while still remaining a member of the Greens and putting the Greens first on your ballot. <laughs> um, we can put a few links in the show notes to organisations. Obviously there are a bunch out there, but I think some of the top ones where you can volunteer your time or you can donate would be the RSPCA. Do you know what RSPCA stands for, Tom? The Royal Society for the Protection and Care of Animals? Must be, yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Royal Society something. RSPCA, wires I also think is really good. If you ever come across a sad, sick bird or other animal, something on the side of the road, et cetera, call wires. Um, But, yeah, you can volunteer and you can donate to wires. And Sea Shepherd as well for our beautiful animals that live in the beautiful big sea. Sea Shepherd is pretty cool. There are lots of ways to get involved. They have, like, events, clean up events and things like that as well as donating. And, you know, if you want to... Uh, attract a fellow lefty mate everyone knows that the best way to do it is by wearing a piece of sea shepherd apparel famously oh yes that also <laughs> works can we put animals australia in there too they do really great stuff yeah check it in Champions. if you want a, a pet consider adopting a greyhound i know like i think it's very classic greens person to have a greyhound there's always <laughs> fucking greyhounds hanging around amy mcmahon yep. has a beautiful little greyhound but it it is a good thing to consider like if you're gonna have a pet please adopt and please consider making it a lovely little greyhound. And if you can, sorry to say it, but eat less meat. If I can. Mm. Yeah. No, that is a very good thing to do. And, yeah. again, love and solidarity and respect to all vegetarians and vegans, particularly the ones that get shit on all the time. I think it's a, it's a very annoying part of culture, I think. I think vegans are great. It's very cringe. The vegan, yeah. vegetarian, like, at this point, really, we're still asking, what do you eat? How do you get your protein? Yeah. 
Too weak. You're too weak. Uh, you can rate review the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review, please. That helps us spread the word. You can become a patron, patreon.com forward slash seriousdangerau for just three bucks a month. You can get bonus content. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at seriousdangerau. Peace. Love, friendship, kindness. kindness. The four pillars of this podcast. <laughs> <sighs> Serious danger, Australia.